Welcome. I'm Heidi Kirk, and I'm happy to bring to you the fourth episode of the Student Media Podcast. As usual, I'll reintroduce myself for those of you who are new here. I am the Director of Strategic Media and Collaboration for the University of Arkansas Student Media. A big part of my job is just talking to people as I emphasize collaboration between our student media outlets. And this is also the purpose of this podcast. I set out to talk to people about their experiences and ideas about current events. Now, this episode is one that I've had in the works since I started the podcast, and it will be part of a series that I would like to revisit several times. Over the summer, the United States began to confront racism in a way that we haven't in my lifetime. This was sparked by the killing of George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man that was killed in Minneapolis while being arrested under false pretenses. Protests erupted over the summer in response to Floyd's death, as well as the killing of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. During this time of racial reckoning, students across the country have taken part in a variety of actions to bring awareness to underlying racism on college campuses. Black students and alumni at colleges all over started sharing their experiences being black at their schools. The students tagged the hashtag BlackAt, followed by the name of their school. The University of Arkansas took part in this. Twitter and Instagram were flooded with hashtags of these experiences. And on a personal note, this personally broke my heart. They exemplified experiences that I will never be confronted with as someone that is white. I felt that the best way to address this was to bring some of our students in that took part in sharing their experiences. And on that note, I would like to introduce today's guest. In studio, I have Niasha Boney. Niasha is a junior criminology major from Missouri, but she's originally from Zimbabwe. And she's one of the students that hashtagged her experiences at Black at York. So we'll go ahead and jump right into the episode. First of all, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. And when you came in, I asked you if you'd podcasted and you said no. So this is kind of a new experience for you. I'm excited. (laughs) And how do you like the studio? I really like it. It's really cool. I feel so professional. Personally, like I said, I love to listen to podcasts where it's just people talking. So that's really the environment that I like to cultivate in here. First of all, just tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, when did you actually move to the United States? I moved to the United States when I was seven years old. I lived in Missouri, like I said, for about 12 years. Um, So yeah, it was really interesting, you know, coming to the United States, learning a new language, a new culture, all that good stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, that's something that You know, I honestly don't have a lot of friends that have had that experience. Of course, I haven't. So, I mean, I'm sure that's just such a change. I mean, even just learning a new culture, I'm sure that's... No, absolutely. It is. And honestly, English is a very hard language to learn. (laughs) A lot of people do not think Uh it's easy. No, it is quite hard. And I actually struggled my first couple of years trying to get acclimated. Of course. And so what was the biggest change that you experienced when you moved here? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you can just think of one thing that was... I would have to say, besides the language, I would would have to say culturally. Mm -hmm. There was just definitely a lot of different things. Even like in school, school to me was totally different because I had year-round school in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like why am I in school for so long? Like, when is it time to go home and take a break? Like, I just wasn't necessarily used to all of that. But um, thankfully, I was a fast learner and I was able to learn pretty quickly. Um, English was definitely just the hardest thing. It Mm -hmm. took me a couple years for me to be able to finally stop having to take ESL classes Mm -hmm. because I was taking out a class each day and I would practice my English. So 
Yeah. So how long did it take you when, when you finally felt comfortable with English? I think it wasn't until the fourth grade. So I came here and I started my second grade year. So it wasn't until my fourth grade year. Wow. That they're like, okay, you finally passed and you're proficient in English. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, like when I tell them I'm from Zimbabwe, they're like, oh, really? Like, uh-huh. you don't sound like you are because, you know, as my father would say, I've been Americanized. <laughs> so, course. yeah. Wow. Um, and so how did you end up at the University of Arkansas? Oh, um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I was living in Missouri and then my senior year, of high school, I moved to Fayetteville. So I actually oh, went to okay. Fayetteville High School, yeah. Um, and then at that point, I'd already been thinking about it when I was in Missouri about going to the University of Arkansas, but I love Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Fayetteville. Like, yes. this town is pretty <laughs> great. So then after that, I was like, you know what? Let me just go here. My family's here now. It's my family who just moved here. And so I've been here since. Wow. And so you're studying criminology. I am. And what led you to that path? Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Crazy enough, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And um, although that might be in my future, I'm also looking at going to grad school as well. Mm -hmm. Um, My goal is to hopefully be able to do some research and introduce people to um, the black immigrant experience and what that looks like. And so I want to do a lot of research um, and hopefully get in contact with other um, black immigrants and Mm -hmm. look at their experience and what that's like to live as an immigrant. Um, in the United States. So that's, that's amazing. <laughs> well, and when I met you, I believe, I think we met for the first time when we were working on that commercial together. Well, oh my goodness. I know. Yes. That whenever, I, whenever I thought of you, I was like, my mind just went right back there. <laughs> yeah. So you have a little bit of a background in theater as well. I do, I do. I do. Um, but I didn't know that about you. I mean, that's amazing. I think that's such an amazing path to go down. So I can't wait to see what you end up doing with that. Yeah. And, actually just applied to some grad schools and you know we'll see where I end up too yeah. but that's something that I honestly never considered before the pandemic so I don't know if that influenced your decision at all but I was like I'm not ready to jump into the world right yet <laughs> yeah so, I agree um, but anyways to kind of jump into our topic today um, of course you know you saw the outpouring of support and those stories on Twitter this mm-hmm. summer um, hashtag black at UARC and I mean like I said in the intro, I mean, those really touched me. I think mm-hmm. that that's a really great way to, you know, show other people here that might not have had to deal with that, what it's like to be black at U of A. If you want to just kind of tell us about the post that you made and um, what inspired you to make that, we can just jump right in there. For me, I think that morning I saw people were tweeting about it and I was like, oh, I might as well, you know, I have a Twitter account, I might as well tweet about it as well. And I did want to share my experience. And I think I shared... I think I shared two stories, but the one that probably got the most attention was that because I decided to, you know, take care of my mental health and I went to CAPS and I set up an appointment and I had, I'd had this appointment several times with the same counselor and one day she, I walked in like normal, we're having a conversation, but as she was talking, I realized she was sharing information that wasn't, wasn't about me. Um, She was, you know, sharing about some different mental health diagnoses that weren't mine and I was really confused. And so I was like, okay, maybe... I, don't, I was like, I just kind of was like, okay, like, I don't know what's happening. And she kind of kept talking. And then when she brought up medication, I was like, I'm not on any medication. And she was like, well, I know you wanted it changed. I was like, I was like, I'm sorry. I have to stop you. I said, I'm not on any medication. Like, I don't know about these different diagnoses. Like, I don't have any of these. Like, I'm sorry. Like, did something happen? Like, I was like, I'm really confused. But I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not that person. And then she looked at her screen. She's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I have the wrong student. So this entire time, unfortunately, she had been sharing some other person, I guess some of her own of her other clients, was she was sharing her information with me. 
And I, honestly, I didn't ask her if it was because the other girl was black. I don't know what it was. But this idea that you go somewhere to try to get different, you know, different issues taken care of or you want to talk things out. But then it's like, I don't know what if it was a miscommunication. I don't know what it was. But it was just one of those moments where I was just like stunned. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do in this situation. And I kind of like fumbled through the rest of the appointment. And crazy enough, I decided like, and even like when she made that mistake and I realized what it was, I told myself, I said, I'm never coming back. I, I was like, I'm never doing this again. And it's crazy enough that that very next day, that's when the chance to send out that email was like, we are going remote. I was like, you know what? Praise the Lord. <laughs> At this point, I'm counting my blessings. And she, I mean, I think she reached out again to try to do some, um, try to do some virtual stuff. But I was like, no, I said, I'm finding myself a new counselor. Yeah. And I share that story because I mean, it's not, I'm sure it's been, it's happened to people before, especially on our campus that you get mistaken for somebody else. And I'm like, you know, I don't see how, to me, I don't see how somebody would be like, oh, you guys look the same. Cause to me, I think we're just, we're so different, but I mean, we all share in this thing that like, we're all black and Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. We have community together and that's great. And we have fellowship. Sometimes when you're confronted with racism, it's, and it's not like you think, well, let me gather my thoughts. No, it's like, good. sometimes it's just like, it shocks you sometimes. It really, really does. And as somebody who grew up in a predominantly, in Missouri, I grew up in a predominantly white community. I really was probably like the only girl in my high school that was black, besides my sister. So it was just like, I was the only person I got to, that people saw the black experience through, and it was through me. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, I was used to racism, but in a different way. In the South, it can be a little more to your face Mm -hmm. and kind of like, and you know, some people, sometimes people don't realize it, that they're doing it. Other times they do. And it's just like, I don't know, it just shocks. For me, it shocks me. And I hate that students have to experience that. I mean, that's such a power, powerful story in and of itself. I mean, I, I cannot believe that Caps did that. And I think that you took the initiative and you went somewhere else. And I think that that was probably the right thing to do in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to add that, you know, I'm from Eureka Springs and we Mm -hmm. had one black family going through the school district. I mean, so I was in a very similar situation. I mean, Eureka is not diverse. Mm -hmm. And whenever I got to the University of Arkansas campus, I mean, for the first time I was confronted with so much more diversity and yeah. now that I've been a student here for several years I realize we're not no we're see, really not I see it's the same thing for me like when I first came to the University of Arkansas even Fayetteville I was like oh my gosh it's uh-huh. so diverse and I was <laughs> so excited right and then as you kind of live through it and you start to like learn and you grow and you you know college is about you know finding about finding out like what you value and what's mm-hmm. important to you and for me it, that's when I realized I was like wait a minute Something is not right. Mm -hmm. Something is not right. And yeah, here we are. And that's why you had (laughs) that whole entire thing. Kind of on the same train of thought there. Well, like we were saying, I mean, campus isn't diverse. And like I realized that over my time here. And, you know, now I'm applying to schools that are out of state. And I think that that's going to be something that's going to be really refreshing to be in a place that has more diversity. But, you know, overall, um, how do you think the community here is doing? I mean, even though it's not the most diverse, I mean, what has been your overall experience? I can say for me personally, as a student, it seems like there's just a lot of frustration. Yeah, it seems like a lot of frustration. And unfortunately, it seems like for stuff to be brought to people's attention, it has to be done by the student. And then all of a sudden, the student is roped in and they're the ones that have to somehow fix it. And I'm like... 
I hate to be that person. I'm not. No, I don't hate to be this person. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> I'm like, it's really not my responsibility. At the end of the day, it's really not. Like I'm, like I'm here as a student. Like I pay money to go here. Now, what I expect is for me to be able to go, you know, go to class and be able to do what, get my money's worth. Like get what I paid for. And I don't think, you know, when students try to get involved, they don't really expect that um, sometimes you're gonna get pushback. And sometimes it's gonna be it's hard to work with an administration. And the University of Arkansas is a PWI. You can say it. Like, it is absolutely, absolutely true. So being in a PWI, there is a lot of um, ideas. There's a lot of systematic things that um, are made to... The, the systems that are put in place are made to satisfy the majority. And, of course, that means the majority is white. Like, that's just the way... It, like, that's just the way it is. And sometimes it's really hard to have those conversations and to be honest I think for some people it's hard that for them to face that honesty um but yeah it's definitely they can do better like let's just that's just simply it and I understand that um these past couple months there's been a wake-up call and with the whole idea of like these students are the ones that are now trying to help the administration fix it and that's great that's great that they're being involved I'm also participating in things like that but then also at the same time I'm like I'm taking 15 hours a week I'm working 20 plus hours a week. I'm also in an internship that ranges from 10 to 20. You know what I'm saying? And this is just like, okay, like I do want to be involved and I do want to help the administration do all these things. But at the same time, like I'm also like at the end of the day, I am a student. Mm -hmm. Like that's just simply it straight up. Like my role in being at the University of Arkansas was not to help fix stuff. My role in coming here was for me to get an education so I can graduate and then get a job and that is a huge job in and of itself yeah honestly. yeah it really is and like I mean so that's that's really one thing that I would criticize about what um the administration is doing what um, the University of Arkansas is doing but also at the same time I know there's a lot of great people that want to help at the University of Arkansas and I've met with those people and they have shared um they've shared their support and that's amazing. And so, you know, there's, there's two sides to it. It's like, there's the bad side, but then it's like, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't always, for me, I try to always find the good in people and I always try to be as positive as possible um, when I can be. And so that is to say, there's a lot of great people um, here, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, like they, um, they have some great people over there that want to help students and want to get involved. And um, I've definitely been a part of conversations with different departments that have been like, what can we do to help? What can we do to change? Like, we are willing to speak on your behalf or we are willing to be able to put you in those, you know, in those places where you guys can have this conversation and you guys can try to get things done. And so for those people, um, I would say I'm internally grateful because sometimes as a student, it's hard to translate what you're trying to say to people. And sometimes as people who have been a part of an administration, they know the ins and outs and they know, okay, this is how you're going to want to talk or this is who you're going to want to try to talk to. So I really appreciate those people. So, you know, it just, it just depends on what, what viewpoint you see it from. And I try to see it from both sides. Well, and you know, as a white student here, of course, I followed all of the stories this summer. I mean, yeah. I think that there was just such an outcry and you're right. It is a, it's a huge awakening for a lot of us. I want to educate myself and I yeah. want to listen. I want to listen to people's stories and I want to really take that in. And I also want to have conversations like this. Exactly. I, mean, I think that 
it's a really good starting point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in student media, I do so many interviews. I talk to a lot of different people and I always try to make sure that we're bringing in that viewpoint. I want to make sure yeah. that it's present. Um, but, you know, that is only that's that's just one thing. I mean, there's so many things that need yeah. to change. Do you have any advice for someone that, you know, really does want to be conscientious and they want to be proactive and they want to listen and they want to help? Do you have any sort of advice how to approach that? I would say from my own experience is that I, for example, have had conversations where I've also learned and it sounds crazy, but I've had conversations with people about the police and the viewpoints about the police and like honestly the best way for you to learn is you have to hear other people's stories and where they come from and what their experience is but also for somebody who wants to be more conscious like you have to educate yourself and sometimes that means having conversations with people you wouldn't normally have in conversations with or trying to read something that you wouldn't normally read. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what different outlets can we use. Because like we live in an age of media and like our phones connect us to the literally the entire world. Mm-hmm. And so if you can utilize that, um, I would say to definitely do that. But definitely having those conversations. And I've been in those conversations and they're not easy. They're seriously not. And they suck because it really makes you confront with everything that you have learned growing up. And a lot of times, the ideas and the values that we hold is coming from our parents, especially when we start out in college. It really is. And so, like, I was raised in a predominantly very Southern Baptist, very homophobic and racist environment, like, especially, like, through the church and different stuff like that. But, like, at some point in my life, I decided to educate myself. And I was like, you know what? Being homophobic is bad. I really... and. That was a really hard conversation that I had to have with myself, but also an even harder conversation to have to have with um, people from the LGBTQ community for me to be like, I'm so sorry. Like I, and so, you know, um, that's not a really easy conversation for me to have because I don't like telling people that I used to be homophobic, but, but I was like, that was the environment that I raised in. Not saying that was an excuse, but I'm saying like, if you can be in that type of environment and you can come out of it than anybody honestly anybody can it's just just, like you just have to make that choice and I've definitely like I've had to learn so much and there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know about the LGBTQ experience I did not know it and you know I'm not equating it to the black experience or anything like that I'm just saying that the best way for you to understand other people if you want to try to learn about the black experience and what is happening right now and how we feel about it then it's like what you're saying like having these conversations and educating yourself but then also if once you educate yourself, don't just do nothing with it. You need to take, like, the, there has to be action behind it. Mm-hmm. And by that, I think that can simply be, like, you changing how you think and how you view other people. And so, yeah, that's what I would say to somebody who's trying to be more conscious. I think that's a great answer. And, you know, to equate it back to my high school experience, you know, like I said, I was raised in a very open-minded family, but Mm. my town, although we are very conscious of the LGBTQ community, I mean, it's not a diverse community other than that aspect, but something that I've tried to do is when I go home, you know, I realize that some people there are racist, and I always want to try to open their mind. Obviously, I... 
I don't want to be aggressive with them or yeah. anything like that. But I definitely, you know, I, I acknowledge that it is all in the way that they grew up. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for the way I was raised. I mean, so open-minded. And even though we weren't in a diverse area, I do acknowledge that a lot of that is rooted in the way that they were raised. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's so important right now to open those people's eyes and have conversations, even though they are hard. And exactly. I appreciate you saying that because I, I think sometimes I get in my head, you know, why do I feel uncomfortable why yeah. is it a hard conversation but they are I they mean, really are yeah and especially now I mean with everything going on it's just it's such a it's a hard time to have those conversations but I think that they are necessary yeah so to transition a little bit more um of course you know there were so many protests across the country yeah. this summer so many I attended some of them because I was covering them for student media oh, yeah. I'm a couple in Fayetteville but did you get the chance to go to any or no I didn't I was actually in Missouri and I was working mm -hmm. at a camp so I wasn't able to but I remember even like the Fayetteville protest mm -hmm. I remember somebody was live streaming it or something on Twitter yeah. so I was like watching it it honestly has been a crazy past couple of months. It really has. What do you think about the protest? Just what's your take on them? Um, I I think so. I support them 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like the reason why people are protesting is because people who are supposed to be listening aren't listening. And so they don't know. Like, this is, this is what they have to do in order to. And it's sad that that's the reality that we live in, but it is. And it's like, oh, so it's not until, you know, um, I'm on a street and I have a sign and even then, it's like they're still not listening because nothing has changed. So then it's like, what? Like, what do you do? And that's one thing that I struggle with. Is like, what? Like, what do I do? And I, even when the protests were happening, I felt so guilty because I was like, I'm not protesting. Like, and I couldn't protest. And I was like, I don't know. Like, what? Like, what can I be doing better? And um, for those who can protest, I think that's great, and I support it 100. And I definitely hope to, to be able to participate in a protest in the future. But also like what is being done now like honestly and truly and it's just so sad that this is the reality that we live in I one thing that I've always thought about and which is really one of the reasons why I want to do the research that I want to do is that I came to America because it was supposed to be a better life that you know like the American dream like that's what my family wanted and although we've, I've had many great opportunities, and although it's been super great, you know, and I'm blessed to be in this country, and I was able, you know, to get, like, become a citizen, at the same time, this is not the American dream that I signed up for. Like, it's, like, it's really not. And instead, I feel like it's almost like an American nightmare. Like, I did not realize that there was going to be all these things in place that would, were not, that were made to, like, not help me. Like, I didn't realize that, you know, me as a black woman, like, what it means for me to live and exist in this country. I didn't realize, like, that's what it was. And I mean, like, that's not saying um, there isn't still other places around the world that are messed up. But I'm just saying it's like America sometimes paints itself as this picture-perfect place. And, you know, we're number one in the world and da-da-da-da-da. But I'm like, y'all have got, and I should say y'all, I'm including myself, <laughs> we have got a lot of stuff that is messed up that has to change. And, you know, some people are always like, I'm never going to, you know, live here. And I've honestly, I've honestly thought about it for myself. Like, as a black woman, like, the probability of me not surviving a pregnancy or my child surviving a pregnancy is so much lower than a white woman. And I've already told myself, like, if nothing changes, I will leave this country and I will have my child somewhere else. Because 
I do not want to die and I do not want my child to die. And that's crazy that as a 20-year-old, that's the reality that I live in. And, you know, um, I like to say that I have a survivor mentality. But as a black woman in America, you have to have a survivor mentality because that's the only way that you could get through any of this. And it's just so crazy to me. But, yeah, it's just like it's I don't know if the American dream exists anymore. I really don't. If it does, I have not seen it in a while. I really haven't seen it in a while. Not saying that it's impossible um, for people to, um, you know, be successful. It's not. But this idea of like, you know, you can just pull your strap, you know, pull your your bootstraps, whatever that terminology is. is. Yeah. But it's like, no, you really can't. It's really not. When the system is against you, you really can't do that. You really can't do that. So, but yeah, it's it is. It's just what it is. There's so much to say about it. And I mean, like you're saying about, you know, survival rates of your children. That's I mean, it's something I don't have to think about, honestly. And you shouldn't either. You shouldn't have to. And that is so heartbreaking and just so eye opening to these systemic problems that we are facing right now. Yeah. And of course, I mean, this administration, I mean, not to get too political right now, but I mean, it, it gosh, it doesn't help. I think maybe this administration when it is done is it has maybe brought to things more to light. But also the other thing is like these things have been happening for a long time. A long time since this country was founded. I just for me I just can't wrap my mind around it because I'm like how do people live with themselves and make these decisions that they make? Cuz I couldn't do it. Mm-mm. Like I just to me um I've always, I was raised to be kind to, to people no matter what. No matter what they look like, what they wore, like, no matter what. And then it's like, but I, all of a sudden, I'm getting hate because of the color of my skin. I'm sorry that my cells make mel- melanin. Like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do? Just turn it off like a switch? Like, no. I'm, I mean, I'm proud to be black. Black, black, black. <laughs> but I'm like, how can you hate me for something that I can't even change? Like, that to me, it's like the, I'm trying, like, I try to compute it, and I try to, like, and I'm like, it's just not, it's just not it. It's not, there's no justification. There is absolutely no justification. I said, you can write this backwards, forwards, upside down. I will never, ever justify or support it, ever, Uh, ever in my life. I can't either, and it's it's one of those things that is genuinely baffling, and when I... And sometimes, you know, I think, I think how on earth can people think that? Surely it's, it's not, I mean, how can that be real? And then of course yeah. I see things on social media. I see so many hate posts. I mean, I had to unfriend so many people on Facebook from <laughs> yeah. my hometown after no, yeah, the summer. I, I mean, it's just, it's horrible. I mean, and the justification is just, it's even worse. I mean, there's, there's just nothing that can be said that will ever, I'm, I will never understand. Yeah. And it's it's just so it's disgusting honestly it really is i mean i hate to i mean disgusting is a powerful word but like i mean it it is yeah do you think this is a turning point i mean truly i mean and really really think about that because i mean i think that there's been a lot of conversation about you know this is a turning point um you know these protests have really sparked something in the united states but uh part of me just as someone kind of on looking in your experience Mm. i mean 
I think that there's been other times where there have been turning points. Exactly. And, you know, I would really, really, I truly would like to think that this one is different. And I personally have been trying to do my part in making this a turning point. Yeah. But, you know, part of me, part of me wonders. And I, I that's why I want to ask you. I mean, what, what do you think about that? No, like you said, I want it to be a turning point. I think everybody does. At the same time, the foundation of this country is built on. It's like they have lasted like up until now. I think this election, not to get political, but this <laughs> election will determine what happens. I really do. Part of me is like, will we have the same president? Because that's truly who the people of this country support and like. And that's and his ideas and his viewpoints is truly what America is. Maybe. But also maybe people are sick and tired. And I can definitely say I know for the black community, like, we are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, it's exhausting. Like, uh, I think it was James Baldwin that said, being black in America is being in a constant state of rage. And this idea is just like, no matter where you are, no matter where you look, you just, you just, you're, you're just angry. And rightfully so, rightfully so. But I think at some point, you also, it just feels like you're just tired. And you're tired, but you know you can't rest. Like, you just know you have to keep going. Um, but, yeah, I hope it is a turning point. I hope things change. I really do. Because I do want to raise my kids in America. Like, I do. I do want, you know, when I get older, for me to be able to look at my kids and say, you know, things used to be not so great, but, like, things are better, you know. And, you know, a lot of the things that I do that I want to try to do is for the future – not only my own children, but for the future of the children of America. Like, it's just really it. It's like, if I if we don't change something now, then we're just going to be living this. And then I'm like, then what's the point? Unless there is a change, then what's, like, what's the point to all this? And so, yeah, I pray and I hope that there's a change and that this is a turning point and that people will listen and educate themselves and try to do a little bit better, like you said. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, this election has so many implications for so mm. many people, but I think for black people specifically, it's important. Yeah. It's really important. Of course, I encourage all my friends to get out and vote. Yes, and register part. to vote. Of course. Yes. I like to throw <laughs> that in there all the time. But um, of course, you know, I mean, not that it's going to solve everything. It won't, of course not. But I mean, I think that it is a step in the right direction. Yeah. And so that's when I've I've been very encouraging of people voting because I think that is something that you can do that is exactly. proactive. And mm -hmm. if you go vote, you know, hopefully we'll have a better chance of getting back on track. And, you know, I, I do try to keep politics out of a lot of, I mean, of course, as a journalist, it's, it's a hard, it's a fine line yeah. walk, but... I am a proactive person and I love this space, this podcasting space, because yeah. it's a space where I can voice some of my opinions. And, right, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, that's just personally something that I is very important to me. And so mm -hmm. I always try to, you know, like I said, throw something in about that. Um, and so I'll, like we were talking about with the protests going on, I mean, I think, uh, you know, like you said, I think it's a really great way 
for voices to be heard. It's sad that we're there. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the protests have turned violent. And even the one in Bentonville, I mean, just right down the road from us. I mean, there was tear gas there. I wasn't at that one. I was at the Fayetteville one. Um, But I I just kind of want to get your take on that. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, I know there's just kind of two sides to it. I mean, some people say, you know, it doesn't need to go there. And some people say it's, you know, that's how our voices get heard. And um, kind of to divulge a little even more, um, this summer when I went to the Fayetteville protests, I got yeah. interviews with a ton of people and it was really interesting for me to hear everyone's take because everyone does say something different, but yeah. my viewpoint changed a little bit because at first I held the opinion, you know, why do they need to get violent? And then I heard some people talking about it and, you know, I realized, I mean, some real change has been sparked from some of those, but, yeah. you know, I think that it is a it's an opinion so you know do you want to discuss that um i would say personally for me like um when it comes to violence and what happens in protests you have to think about who instigated it and also sometimes when it comes to the police effed up things happen that are not supposed to happen and if your role is to be somebody who is supposed to create peace and somehow that doesn't happen and you somehow instigate violence, then I don't think you're really doing your job. Like, I really don't. And you can't be mad that people don't like you, but I'm like, you're the one that's kind of creating this. So I'm not saying that's true for everybody, but I'm just saying. Um, so, I mean, for me with protests, like, I don't like to see people get hurt. I just really don't like to see people get hurt, which is why I do support peaceful protests, but also I do support violent protests as well. I don't know if I'd be able to participate in one. I really don't know what that would be like for me. I honestly don't. I honestly would be scared, scared to do it because I would not want to get hurt. I would not want to go to jail. Like, I don't know what that would be like for me. Like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do that to like, to like, you know, to me or to my family or like, you know, I don't, I, it's not just me that I have to think about it. I have to think about, you know, my family as well. But, um, I think, when it comes to that time, it's just hard. It's just hard because it's like the peaceful protests aren't working. So what am I supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? Some people have, there's that argument. It's like, well, this isn't working. So what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, you, they was, was, you know, people do this. And then it's just like, ugh, it's just such a difficult thing. And, you know, I honestly would have, I'd probably think about it some more before I give like a definite answer. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's totally reasonable. I think it's a, it's a hard, exactly. a hard, hard, hard topic, honestly, but it, you know, it, it definitely, it's, it's present, it's happening. And, you know, mm. if that's what it takes for voices to be heard, I, I do understand that viewpoint a hundred percent because I think that, you know, these voices have been shut down for a long time. And yeah. I think some people are starting to hear, they definitely are, but it's yeah it's it's tough um but so i i'm a student ambassador on campus and i i sometimes will have you know black students come on tours and i've had some hard questions asked personally i mean i have people ask you know what is it like um as a as a black person here and you know for me as a white person i almost feel like it's not my place to be able to answer that question because Mm -hmm. i have not lived in your experience and you know like we talked about before i mean i think that fayetteville is doing better than some places, of course. It's far from perfect. I mean, whenever I went to some of the protests, I got to hear from people, once again, that have lived here and, you know, have really gone through 
hardships, but I mean, I think that we are, you know, I think we're moving in a better direction. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I have to ask, and honestly, this is partially just for me because I want to know, you know, how do I respond to those students? And you did already kind of touch on that, but, you know, um, how do I respond? I would definitely say to ask them to get in contact with um, an organization, especially a black student organization, that would be able to speak better to that and direct them towards that. Um, but I've I've had students, like freshmen, DM me and be like, can you tell me what it's like to be a black student on campus? Like, should I should I just not come to camp? Like, should I just not enroll somewhere else? And here's what I always say. I always tell them that, um, first of all, being black is going to be hard anywhere you go. Um, might may it be easier in some other places than others? Yes, that's true. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't change being black. You can change where you go to school, but you can't change being black. So um, I always say that, um, you know, what you need to do is you need to try to get involved um, with students, with, uh, with black student organizations is what I always encourage them to do. And I always try to direct them, like, to different Instagram pages and different stuff like that. I'm, like, trying to get, you know, try to, you know, to find a group of friends that share the same ideas as you. And sometimes they may not, they, also they may not be black. Like, one of my best friends, he's white. So what? Does it like it doesn't? It's not necessarily that you have to be friends with black people only. Like no, um, I'm just saying try to surround yourself with people who have the same ideas as you. People who, um, you know, uh, support you and will always try to help you. And um, you know, when I first started out my freshman year, I had friends that I realized I don't, I don't believe in the same things that you do. And you know, sometimes you have to take a step back and be like, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't think we can be friends and that's people think that's weird but I'm like no it's not because I'm not gonna spend around some time with people that don't you know support me in different ways like that so I always say to just try to surround yourself with people that you know will support you or support the same things that you believe in and um sometimes it's hard to find those people but I assure you you can find them um so, and that definitely for people, you know, like you're saying, on tours that have those questions, I would just direct them to organizations like the NAACP or direct them to the Multicultural Center or different places like that where they can kind of um, be around people that look like them, have the same ideas as them. That way they don't feel like so um, out of place or they don't feel like, oh, I don't know, like, where I belong on campus. Um, so those are some great places that you could, like, direct people to. That's really, really good advice. And, I mean, I think that... The other ambassadors that I give tours with, I think that they receive those same questions. Yeah. And as someone that is white, you know, it's it almost feels like not my place, like I said. It's and I think yeah. so such great advice. Um, and then one final question, then I'll let you add any final thoughts that you mm -hmm. might have. Um, of course, you know, I have a foot in the door of our student media outlets here. And this yeah. is the student media podcast. So uh, I kind of just like to tie it back here. And I think that as a journalist, you know, in six months from now, I'm going to be graduated and yeah. going off to grad school and then, you know, entering the world as a journalist. Um, and, you know, since this is so present now, I mean, I expect it to be in the next couple of years. So these are going to be some things that I'm reporting on. And yeah. I really do like to ask my black friends, you know, how can I report on subjects like protests and, you know, even in, in these horrible killings that are in the news, yeah. I mean, you know, how can I sensitively as a white person report on that? And, you know, not just for me personally, of course, but, yeah. we have all of our student media outlets here and we all can definitely use some advice there. I mean, I part of my job actually is helping represent different groups on campus. And yeah. of course, 
it's it's sometimes not easy. I mean, especially now, some people don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am doing my best. And I think that being proactive is one of the best things you can do. Absolutely. But do you have any advice for me personally or just our other student media outlets or just journalists as a whole? I think what I would say is that if you're going to share somebody's experience or share something that you happened, something that happened, it is going to be told through your perspective because you're the one that's saying it. However, I would say the best way is try to be respectful to that experience and especially to the people who are experiencing that experience. So they may not necessarily have the like the same um, opportunity you have to uh, vocalize, you know, what's happening. So I would kind of say, for me, what I would do in that situation is to try to represent them as best as I could. And I understand, you know, as a journalist, you have, um, I don't know how it works, but, you know, you're trying to get the facts straight and all that stuff. And that's great. And absolutely, um, I would just say, like, you just have to be as honest as possible. And sometimes that means making people unhappy. And I'm sure that's going to happen. Like, I'm absolutely sure that's going to happen. Um, I hate to be like a Debbie Downer <laughs> or anything, but like I'm sure like for you and for other journalists, that's going to happen, like that they're not going to like that you're sharing certain things. But honestly, also, you know, some people are involved with different outlets that have different viewpoints. And if they want to be a part, about, a part of that, that's great. But I think um, as long as you're able to be respectful to the experience, but also share the perspective of somebody from that experience, like, like in this situation, you want to bring something to people's attention and you're using... Um, you know, you're like, I can't, I can't experience that. I don't know how to experience it, but you found somebody who did experience that and let them have an opportunity to vocalize that. So to me, that's just, that's just it. And I think really great advice and something that I can walk away with. I love it whenever I bring people in here and I end up leaving, you know, better for it, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) which I think, you know, is the the purpose of a lot of podcasts. I mean, that's definitely why I listen every time that I listen to one, I always walk away with something. So yeah, but Um, To just kind of wrap this up, I mean, I think this has been a really great conversation for me and for anyone that listens. I think it's a really powerful topic and, like you said, hopefully a turning point. And I think that the more information that's out there and the more conversations like these, I think the better off we are, honestly. Mm -hmm. But do you want to add anything about your experience or, you know, this time or, you know, even... It's so hard to not tie everything back to this, but, you know, we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. <laughs> that is true. That is correct. We are. We I are. swear. It always, everything oh, roots back to that. COVID. I mean, it's so weird. And I forgot to mention, we're both wearing masks here, so we it are, sounds a little muffled, of course. Um, that's why. But, yeah, is there anything else you want to end on? Um, I would just definitely say for everyone, but especially for Black students on campus, like, take care of your mental health. Like, the one thing that has really helped me these past couple months is me being able to take care, like, being me telling myself you need to take care of yourself. Because, you know, with all this stuff that's happening, it can be super frustrating, it can be overwhelming, and it's a lot. Like, I I mean, I can think of my freshman year, and I thought that was hard. I couldn't imagine doing it in a pandemic, no less. Like, these freshmen, bless their hearts. I mean, they're a little cuckoo, but... Bless your hearts, you are going, you're living your college experience through... Zoom. Yeah, through Zoom, (laughs) exactly. Literally. And, like, I go and say now, I couldn't imagine my freshman year. So I definitely say take care of your mental health and take make sure you have somebody who you can talk to. And, um, you know, sometimes it can be hard to find, but try, like, like I said before, try to find that group of people 
that can kind of just be kind of be like your tribe people that you know um are always going to be there for you and help you and like you know I have you know moments where I'm like listen friend I'm really not doing that great right now I'm over it I just want to sit in bed watch Netflix with a bucket of KFC like that's all (laughs) I need right now and you know there are friends they will pull through like if you find those people that you know that will always be there for you and support you um you'll be okay so that's that's definitely what I would you know my kind of my final comments and thoughts for students (laughs) especially just like find your people you're gonna be okay if I've made it this far you can make it I assure (laughs) you if I have made it this far you can make it too so yeah I feel the same way and my (laughs) heart really goes out to those poor freshmen I mean like you said how can you have a freshman experience through zoom it's so hard and Actually, on a previous episode, we talked specifically about that. Really, we had a conversation about what it's like and any advice. And it's so hard to give advice right now, too, because what do you say? I mean, it's it's nothing. There's nothing you can do. But hopefully we'll make it out on the other side, hopefully with a new administration in the new year. But that being said, who the heck knows? (laughs) You're right. There's nothing to do but sigh, honestly. Yeah, really. <sighs> well, anyways, thank you so much for coming on today. And I, I cannot thank you enough. I, I really think it's an important conversation to have. And like I said, we're really trying to start a series here. Yeah. And I want to have more people come on and talk about their experiences being Black at UARC. I mean, Absolutely. like I said, I think conversation is the number one thing to do right yeah. now. And I appreciate anyone that's tuning in to this episode of the Student Media Podcast. Of course, we air actually at 8 a.m. on Monday, which is way too early to record, which is why I always pre-record. But you can always find our episodes on the KXUA website. So I'm going to go ahead and sign out for myself and my guest. I'm Heidi Kirk. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) 